yes, uh, Martin Luther King was a very smart dude, um, and he knew um, all of the big fancy terms. Uh, but you know, the crazy thing is, like his most famous speech is real simple. What he did is he painted a very simple picture. Hi everyone, welcome to the Together Podcast, a conversation on faith, justice and how to change the world. My name's Dan and in this episode we're looking at creativity and justice. But before we do, I want to introduce you to my friend Chris. Um, Some of you guys uh, will have listened to Chris's work because he's the producer of this podcast. He's been behind the scenes up until now, but he is the guy in front of the mic. Welcome, Chris. Hey, how's it going? It's good to be like in front of the mic. (laughs) (laughs) You've been doing some great work behind the scenes on making everything sound great and making us sound great and taking out the jokes that haven't worked well I feel like everyone's voice is so beautiful like literally I've got all of your voices like stuck in my head forever now yeah that's really funny I was chatting to someone the other day who'd listened to the podcast and they were trying to describe to me some of their favourite bits the parts they enjoyed but because they didn't know our names they were describing what our voices sounded like and that's it's almost a little bit cell destroying when you hear someone try and describe your voice you're like do I are you talking about me Um, but no, it's great to have you here. Chris, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, what you do, yes. who you are, what you're passionate about, those kind of things? Yeah, this episode is kind of like perfectly for me, I guess. I orchestrated the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm a creative person, so uh, whether it's doing podcasts or whether it's writing, uh, whether it's doing hip-hop, spoken word, um, these are all things that I just love kind of doing. Yeah, that's cool. So um, we're going to talk a lot about creativity for the next 45 minutes. Why is creativity important generally, but also specifically to justice and changing the world? Why is creativity important, do you think? Big question. Um, <laughs> I think creativity for me, I remember being at uni and um, so it's funny, I started uni, I did um, accounting and management, which is just like, <laughs> given the description I just gave you in my life, it makes no sense I don't whatsoever. know, you can do like creative spreadsheets or something, <laughs> some like cool colours. Yeah, I can kill and, a spreadsheet, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I ended up dropping that pretty quickly <laughs> and switched to philosophy and film. Um, and that was just cool. Like, I'm not going to pretend like it was the most like useful degree, but in a kind of, in a broader sense, it kind of really was because it kind of, uh, altered a lot of the way that I think about life and the way I think about creativity. And, um, yeah, during those years when I was at uni, I think a lot of the time, the kind of conclusion that I kind of came to was that Create creativity and art is kind of the, one of the few places in life where you can speak into people's lives. You can talk about ideologies and theologies without it being awkward, without it seeming like you're talking at someone or trying to convince someone. It's more of kind of a, let me welcome you into my space and hopefully that will make you kind of question your own world around you. Yeah, definitely. I think there's when, when you're doing that in a creative way, it's linked to that. Uh, medium of storytelling and it's linked to personal experience yeah. and it's it, it comes across as something that is far more relatable in a way that is delivered in a refreshing way so um, spoken word becoming more and more popular as a medium mm. to express yourself politically express mm. yourself culturally what you believe 
and you end up being drawn into their world. Yeah. I think that's incredibly powerful, particularly when we kind of switch off news channels and we when we get bored of question time and debates mm. and, and that kind of traditional back and forth of argument to be able to sit back and say, right, let me listen, let me consume some of what someone's created through their own experiences, then it just, I don't know, it's an, it's an added benefit, isn't it? It helps people relate a lot more than, than yeah. the usual mediums. 100%. Cool. And I think, I think it just kind of makes sense because, you know, we believe in, if we believe in a God who created the entire, entire world, entire universe, so that creativity, I believe, is a part of our DNA, is a part of all of us as God's children. I think creativity is so kind of central to who we are as people, whether that's like overtly creative, whether you're like painting a picture or, <laughs> yeah, yeah. or singing on stage or whatever, or whether it's, I don't know, in, in a different kind of, in a different space, in a different context, I think uh, creativity is a part of all of us. Yeah, that's really good. And I think I can vouch for that because I'm sitting next to you and listeners Chris is really humble here because he hasn't told you like <laughs> he's an incredible rapper um he's an incredible spoken word artist um and w- what this guy does is the height of creativity and the, out- paycheck seems. <laughs> <laughs> the output is, is is great I on the other hand have a C at GCSE art um I used to draw people but like put objects in front of their faces because I couldn't draw faces so that like people would have like an arm just like flailing That's above so the face or whatever. yeah just I know draw people. yeah I know exactly well for GCSE art you kind of have to so like that that was my artistic ability and I did like trumpet until grade four and then gave it up because it got yeah. too difficult and like I just I don't have necessarily the same creative output level but um, in terms of process, I love being creative, thinking about mm. new ideas, working with new people. And so if I'm thinking about a design or I'm thinking about a new idea for uh, a project that we're doing, like the creative side of that is is really important. And so I think there might be some people listening to this and some and people all around the world who don't consider themselves of as creative because they're defining creative by the output rather mm. than by the process. Mm. But we, as you suggest, we are inherently creative because we were created by the creator. And so we now sit here with the ability to use that creativity. And some people are more aware of it than others and mm. it's buried deeper in others uh, and it's yeah. more difficult to, to kind of find that creative side and I totally get that. But um, I, think, I think when you give yourself space, um, and and that's another thing that we struggle with in this day and age. Yeah. There's so much distraction. When you when you sit down and you give your sp- yourself space and time to be intentionally creative, mm. like that's when I start to connect with the ways and gifts that that God has given me to to make a difference. Yeah, um, and that's really important. And this is probably a good point to start talking about Micah. So uh, Micah Bornet is a wordsmith poet. Um, spoken word artist and Chris you had the privilege of interviewing him can you just tell us a quick bit about Micah yeah Micah's a, a cool guy number one um, <laughs> like, he's really cool like we bumped like literally the, even the interview that we did it was so impromptu but he was just like yeah let's do it whatever and Micah is someone who I I listened to when I when I was like in my late teens I guess um, and yeah so it was really cool it was a great opportunity to speak to him about his thoughts on creativity and more specifically kind of how he sees that uh, in conjunction with justice. Mm. Um, he is a big advocate for for justice uh, on a small scale, on a macro scale, on a micro scale. Um, he is like a proper, he's, I guess he's a stereotypical spoken word artist going out there just speaking truth to power. 
Yeah, definitely. I've uh, I had the privilege of listening to him at a conference recently, and his spoken word was so powerful, and it was so it was really provocative as well. Mm. But the way that it was delivered. Um, was really stirring and that ties into what we were saying earlier about the, the power of creativity to touch on subjects that if you just spoke about if someone got on a stage at a conference and spoke about them it would make people uneasy maybe disconnect but because because of the power of the performance of it mm. um, and the thought that's gone into crafting this spoken word uh, it, it really kind of transformed everybody who was in that room at that point. And he's he's a guy who's really gifted in that. Uh, really creative guy. I think he's going to have some great stuff to share with us. Yeah, my name is Micah Bournet. I am from Long Beach, California. Uh, and I'm a creative writer, uh, mostly known for my spoken word poetry. Uh, but I, I write song lyrics as well in several different genres, uh, hip-hop and blues, and I also will write for other vocalists, so that could be any genre. I'll just like connect with, with singers and, and, and have some of their ideas come to life. Yeah, Sweet, sounds good. You ever written for anyone we know? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you possibly, <laughs> if you're a fan of Liz Weiss. Uh, oh, yeah. She, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, Liz Weiss, uh, on her last album I wrote, I helped co-write uh, half the songs on it, so it was pretty Amazing, cool. that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, uh, just kind of hearing you talk a bit about what you're doing, everything. You're wearing a top, a hoodie that says "Fight Evil with Poetry." Yeah, that's a pretty bold statement. <laughs> um, <laughs> where did that uh, kind of come come from, and what are you trying to? Uh, it's a pretty blatant statement, but what are you really trying to achieve with that? Yeah, so um, I came out with an album in January uh, called "A Time Like This," and it was mainly hip hop. It was twelve rap songs and four poems. Um, and Fight Evil with Poetry is a lyric from one of the tracks called Just War Theory. Um, and it's talking about like America's views on the military. But isolated, we took that, that lyric and, and it's, it's more than just uh, more than just speaking to military issues, but just this idea that when we see any type of injustice in the world, you know, you hear fight fire with fire all mm -hmm. the time. And it's wrong. You don't fight fire with mm. fire. You you fight fire with water. You fight, yeah. you know, ugliness with beauty. Um, and uh, as a person of faith, particularly, um, not only do I believe that this is, uh, it makes the most sense, but I, I think it's also our call um, to not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good, you know, and, um, and to love our enemies. And so I just, when I wear the, the, this, on my sh on my shirt, uh, I talked earlier today. Like it's just a conviction that that believes that beauty is stronger than ugliness. Mm -hmm. That that truth is stronger than lies. That God is stronger than Satan. You know that love is stronger than hate. And so that's what we use to combat those negative things. Yeah. Uh, and and I've seen it. I've seen it work time and time again. That's incredible. That's really that's a really kind of poignant. Uh, look at how how we approach like matters of justice. So I think like like you said, we kind of get into this position where it's kind of, oh, they did this. Well, let's do this back. Or Jeremy tried to yeah. shut down the other person. Um, and you talked a bit about, I guess, like the political kind of landscape in America. Um, I guess as speak as much detail as you want to. How do how does that kind of play into how what you speak about in your poetry and the subjects that you kind of tackle. Yeah. I mean, as an African-American, I'm very inspired by 
uh, the history of my people group and how we did fight evil with poetry. You look at the civil rights era and, and, and black folks were facing incredible violence. They were facing lynching, police brutality, legalized segregation, right? The laws of their own nation said, you're allowed to discriminate against these people. And how did we overcome that? How did we combat that? Well, we marched down the street arm in arm singing We Shall Overcome, singing mm. gospel songs. You know, we, we did nonviolent protests. You know, like, yes, uh, Martin Luther King was a very smart dude, um, and he knew um, all of the big fancy terms. Uh, but, you know, the crazy thing is, like, his most famous speech is real simple. Mm. What he did is he painted a very simple picture of a society where people just loved each other. Yeah. I have a dream. He wasn't like he wasn't up here talking about let's dismantle the prison <laughs> industrial complex. And, and, although he was about those things too. Yeah. But what really resonated with people was when he said, I have a dream that one day my kid, my black child, can play with a white child at the park. Mm. You know, and it was just like this really simple, beautiful speech, this poetic vision that he cast over this crowd uh, inspired millions of people to this day. You know, um, he was not advocating to violently defend yourself if necessary. Although, like, I get it. I get why people would say that's justified. Yeah, if someone comes to lynch you, yeah. you hit, I get it. But he was committed to nonviolence because he believed that that it was stronger than the hate they were facing. And, and it wasn't just him. You know, it was so many other folks who operated in uh as a community because he may have been the figurehead but what made that powerful was the ocean of human beings out there mm. who were marching with him you know um there's a, a a civil rights leader um i believe her name is ella baker and she gets strong people don't need strong leaders mm. um and when i when i uh talk about fight evil with poetry you know i'm not trying to inspire one or two uh, figureheads of a movement. I, I think every single last one of us is creative and we could use whatever expression of creativity comes most natural to us to to be one of the people in the crowd. Um, and, and, and when I say in the crowd, I don't mean as in non-active. I mean, they were active. Yeah. They were marching. And, the, and this is a metaphorical crowd. This is any issue across any country. You know, it's like we need a marching band and everybody has an instrument. You know, it's like we don't need one hero, you know. That's amazing. So much to unpack there. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that kind of stood out to me was when you were even talking about uh, Martin Luther King's uh, speech, mm-hmm. um, you said it was like poetry. Mm-hmm. And I think um, a lot of the time we kind of separate art from from everything else. Mm-hmm. So art kind of exists in this vacuum. But mm-hmm. as you kind of just alluded to, that was poetry in, in motion. <laughs> as oh, cliche absolutely. as the statement is. And I think, you know, the best preachers are poets, the best poets are preachers, because it is clearly poetry. You know, the way he's communicating in that speech particularly, you know, you don't you don't repeat yourself every third line in regular speech. Mm. You know, he was using poetic devices. I have a dream that blah, 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 blah. I have a dream that blah, blah, blah. I have a dream. It's poetic, mm. you know, and that those elements resonated, you know, and, and he and he kept saying again, using the the term dream um this when we say dream like what comes to mind is something often creative and beautiful and inspiring you know he was using creative language and poetic language to 
encourage people to fight for justice. Um, and, and I think it's one of the most effective tools. And we, we often see these things as separate, you know, and they're not. They're, yeah. they're, they're very connected. That's incredible. Um, and just speaking on that simplicity, it's just kind of idea that although these issues in the, in the world, you know, matters of injustice that we that we're all kind of either affected by or are almost kind of complicit in, in a yeah. sense, if we're not doing anything against them, um, a lot of them can seem so complex. And I know for myself and for a lot of other people that I've spoken to, the We Are Tearful community, that a lot of the time these issues just seem so big, it's kind of difficult to think where do I start with it. Could you speak a bit about how you use simplicity to kind of tackle those bigger issues? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, um, there's a lot of uh, language and buzzwords when you get into justice issues and a, a lot of educated people who have, you know, got multiple degrees, who've studied this and they're lawyers and they're doctors and, and those things are necessary. And it's, it's good to have people like that. Um, but if you want everyday folk who didn't, you know, study this stuff for years mm. to be, to feel like they have a part, then you have to be able to speak about these issues in language that makes sense to, to not, I'm not talking about stupid people or dumbing it down, mm. but just not everyone is an expert on whatever issue, right? Yeah. And so for me, what I've found um, through my art is one of the most effective things is just storytelling. Uh, a lot of my poetry is narrative. So, for example, you know, I could, in America, talk to people about, um, you know, white supremacy and the prison industrial complex and the history of racism and all of these things. And I could and I could talk about, you know, the uh, amendments and blah, blah, blah. And again, maybe at certain times that's necessary. But what I've found to be one of the most compelling tools is when I write poetry or I'm just, hey, you know what? I'm not going to talk about these like ideas on large, these macro ideas. I'm going to tell you a story. Yeah. I'm going to tell you a story about an experience that I had as a black person. Yeah. And I'm just going to tell you a narrative. Um, and the, th the thing I love about stories is, you know, if I were to lay out an argument, you have the choice to agree or disagree if mm. I if I convinced you or not, right? Because yeah. like, well, there's this and this and this, and you can say, eh, well, that, I'm not convinced by your argument, therefore I reject what you're saying. Yeah. But stories, they don't ask you to agree or disagree. So to give an example from the Bible, um, from Jesus, who's brilliant, and often, you know, Jesus was a smart dude, yeah. and he knew a lot about theology, and I'm sure knew a lot of big words. <laughs> but so often when he was challenged on things, he would respond with metaphors and parables telling stories yeah. to illustrate really deep theological um sociological justice questions so for example he was asked a question that is packed with justice implications yeah they asked him who is your neighbor but what they were really asking is who are we responsible for mm. Are we, as the religion, there's Jewish people and, and, and ethnicity as well, are we responsible for non-Jews? Are we responsible for people of other ethnicities? Mm. Who do we have a responsibility to care for and to love? Who's your neighbor? And, you know, Jesus could have given a very theological answer about, well, all people are created in the Imago Dei, the image of God, and all this stuff, and blah, blah, blah. But, yeah. but he didn't. The way, the way Jesus answered that question, he says, you want to know who's your neighbor? 
Now I'm going to uh I'm gonna put this in like current American context <laughs> yeah. to to kind of show what Jesus did. Oh, you wanna know who's your neighbor? Let me tell you a story. So there was a really conservative white American from Mississippi who was traveling, a Christian guy, a uh, Southern Baptist, and he was traveling from Mississippi up to Chicago, and mm-hmm. he got beat up and left for dead on the side of the road. And as he was bleeding out, uh, another white conservative uh, Christian passed him on the road who who happened to be a pastor, but he was busy and didn't have time to stop. And then another white conservative Christian uh, looked at him and said, oh, I don't really like blood. That's disgusting. And he kept... He kept on uh, traveling and just left him. And then a uh, a black gay immigrant Muslim saw this white conservative American Christian beat up and left for dead on the side of the road. And he had compassion on him. And this black gay immigrant Muslim cleaned him up, took him to the nearest hotel, made sure he was good. The end. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, now you tell me. You know, like it was like you, that's not a. I agree. I disagree. No, that's just the story. Yeah, yeah. So now, who's your neighbor? <laughs> well, if you were in, if you were a white Christian in that context, you would want that gay black Muslim immigrant because <laughs> otherwise you'd be dead, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. You know, who's your neighbor? Anybody human, right? <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. that's the whole point. That's what Jesus did. He told this scandalous story about these enemies of the Jews who were a different ethnicity and they worshiped God differently mm. and they were and they they considered them trash mm. right and it was like mm. but he's the only one who helped him yeah so um anyway so it's um I like helping people who I feel like are like myself you know mm. I'm not no I don't got no doctorate I, I I've read some books but I'm no expert on these things but I like taking issues that seem huge and boiling them down to stories and faces and and visions and that we can relate to. Mm. Um, and so, like, I have another poem called The Man Without a Name. And, you know, homelessness is a big issue in America and, and many parts of the world. Yeah. Yeah, um, right. And the thing is, you know, you could, again, talk about um, economic inequalities and the distribution of wealth and all of these things. But I remember one time I was talking to a homeless gentleman and... I just went to introduce myself. I said, hey, I'm Micah. What's your name? And he says, I don't have a name. Wow. And I was like, dang. <laughs> like, <laughs> calm down. I'm just trying to be nice, you know, in my head. But then I was thinking about it later. And I was like, man, how many times has this gentleman been treated like he was invisible? Mm. People just walk by him or act like they can't hear him when he asks them a question or asks for something. And it's like... How many times has he just been treated like he's invisible to the point where he embraced this identity of namelessness? Yeah. Right? And so it was just like, you know what? I don't know everything about how to fix it. But let me tell you a story about a man I met who told me he doesn't have a name Mm. because of how he's been treated. You know? And it was just like, oh. And I'll share that poem and people will be like, man, I've never been homeless, but I felt that way before. I felt invisible. I've been in rooms and I felt like I was nameless. Like nobody cared about me. You know, and then it's like, oh, okay, cool. You know, here goes yeah. a starting point and on an on ramp to like these discussions. 
Hi guys, I just want to interrupt the conversation for two minutes to tell you about something really exciting. We're running some events next February called Together Weekends, and they're gatherings for 18 to 25 year olds who are called to live differently. So if you're restless for change and you're ready to follow God's call to restore a broken world, maybe you're studying international development at uni, maybe you're involved in social action or a social enterprise where you live, maybe you've been on placement or a trip and you've seen different scenarios firsthand. If, if you're passionate about using your skills to make a difference, then join us, join like-minded people, meet new friends and learn from experts who've been there and done that. So we've got leading voices in international development, in sustainability, climate change, theology, lots more. And together we'll learn how to impact and influence, how to innovate on behalf of people living on the other side of the world. So you'll come to us with passion and you'll leave with ideas and a plan to change the world. So if that sounds interesting, head to weare.tearfund.org forward slash gatherings and find out more. Back to Micah. It's funny, I feel like the more specific you get with a story, the more relatable it is to everyone. Yeah. I think like you just said, like people, even though it's a piece about homelessness, people get can see themselves in it still because of I guess the richness of the of that story. Yeah. Um and it's just it's so good hearing about actually you talking about kind of the need for for the different people, you know, the need for the experts, yeah. the need for people who like the scientists or whatever doing the stuff in their field, people studying in doctorates or whatever, but also the artists, um, kind of how we're all together, kind of as a team, kind of tackling the same issue, just at yeah. different angles. And you kind of spoke about that as well when you talked about when you were talking about Martin Luther King and actually, uh, he was it wasn't just him, yeah, he, he wasn't the civil rights movement. It was multiple people. Yeah. And I think um, just speaking a bit more on actually how we all kind of work together, whether it was within the arts, whether it's outside of the arts, what's your experience been of that? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, uh, like I want to acknowledge what you're saying first. Um, it's kind of uh, counterintuitive, ironic, whatever. I think sometimes when people talk about these issues, they want to they want to hit everybody, right? So again, they talk about it on this big scale. Mm. Um, but what I've found is exactly what you said. The more specific you are, the more universally relatable it's, it is. Mm. When you try to hit everyone, it's like really shallow. Mm. When I try to talk on behalf of all black people everywhere, I can't, mm. you know, but... And explain this to everyone else who's not black. But if I can say, hey, you know what? I have a story from my life. I have a story from some people I met. You know, and we really don't care about anything until we can put names and faces to it. Yeah. Until we can put specific stories and humanize. Because you can say immigrant. You can say black people. You can say gay people. You can say anything you want about any type of people group. Um but when it becomes no, not immigrant, my friend Muhammad, mm. yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. my friend so and so, um, it's just like, oh, this is how this affects real life human beings, yeah, you know, um, and and I think that's what's what's so necessary and important, but yeah, it like I think understanding that. Most of your prejudices that I love, I don't love the word, but I do like the word prejudice because I think it's very appropriate for what it is. Mm. Um, I hate that prejudice exists, but it's a very helpful word when you break it down into two parts. Literally just means 
Pre-judge. Yeah. Prejudice. And all it means is having ideas about a people group without having any or many experiences with them. Yeah. You know, so everybody has prejudices because it's impossible to have a lot of experiences with every type of person on the world. But just to acknowledge like, hey, the way we get over our prejudices is if we can have experiences. Because you can think whatever you want about black people. If you don't know that many black people personally and aren't actually in their lives, then you're probably going to keep those prejudices. But as soon as you have friends and not just like acquaintances or coworkers, but people that you're actually sitting, listening to their stories, going to their birthday parties, hanging out with them, being in their lives. All of a sudden, all of these ideas, uh, especially the negative ones, they just start to just melt away, mm. you know? And, oh, these type of people are dangerous or these type of people are mean or these type of people are this. Just get to know five people from that community. Like really get to know them and then see what you think about them, yeah. you know? Um, but yeah, so... It, the, I, I think it's it's prejudice is very hard to survive experiences. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, even when we live in diverse cities, it is real easy to kind of just stick to your own comfort zone. Yeah. And whether that's whether you're talking about uh, skin color or religion or political views, you know, you just kind of stick with the people that you feel most comfortable with. Yeah. Um, but if you can challenge yourself to get to know other folks in a real way, in a deep way. Um, I think it will help a whole lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, definitely. That's incredible. Yeah. I think um, it's it's so good to hear you talk about because we're talking about justice, and I think a lot of the times in the context we think about it, we think these kind of big like what's happening in the world, which obviously is in- incredibly important mm-hmm. you know, in terms of like how like the environment or I guess uh, you know how we tr- how pe- refugees are being treated around mm-hmm. the world, etc. Or war. Um, but it's also just great to hear you talk about justice on such a local level mm-hmm. and such a kind of like justice is everyday level. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not about necessarily going on a going on a trip or donating thousands of pounds or something. Justice is your everyday mm-hmm. rhythms, your everyday motions of living out your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, and so, yeah, just kind of, I guess, getting back to that question around like togetherness. Um, what would you say as an artist yourself, um, what would you say you would hope for people, particularly particularly younger people, uh, perhaps who'd be listening to this? What would you say you would want them to kind of move forward with, whether they are someone who enjoys listening to spoken word or mm-hmm. listening or just in, embracing and engaging different art forms, or whether they themselves are an artist? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I I think the art. The arts are so important to these conversations because we can have conversations through music and poetry that and and other forms of of creative expression that are very unlikely to happen in any other in any other way. Like I remember going well, it happens all the time at open mics, but there's one specific open mic um, where you know Islam is a huge presence. On planet Earth, mm. there are millions and millions of humans who uh, adhere to this faith and who have connections and family members who are part of this faith. And yet, I didn't really know too many people personally. I never really heard their experiences in life. And I also didn't know how to engage that community in a way that was respectful, yeah. right? 
I have never invited a Muslim friend to church. I'm a Christian. Uh, a Muslim friend has never invited me to mosque. Mm. It's never happened. Um, and I remember going to an open mic one time that was in a neighborhood that had a high population of Middle Eastern immigrants and a lot of uh, Muslim poets were at this open mic. And it wasn't like a religious event. It was just, this was the neighborhood they lived in. Yeah. And I remember listening to poet after poet, women in hijab, spit and spoken word poetry. And for the first time, I'm hearing their experience of being Islamic women, immigrants, just talking about their life and talking about literally everything from yeah. romantic interests, the people they had crutches on to prejudices they faced and everything in between. And I was like, man, like what other medium would I be in the same room <laughs> sitting, getting to hear these stories and then getting to turn around and share my stories. Yeah. And, and they listened to me attentively, respectfully with like no fear. It's like, Hey, we're all poets here. Yeah. We all just are here to share each other's stories. And it's crazy. It's in the, in the dopest way possible. Like I go to open mics all the time and I'm just like, I can't think of anywhere else where this many type of this much this type of diversity would be having any sort of conversation with each other mm. and and it not being and it not being a problem, not yeah. being a heated argument. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, cool. Who's next? Who's next on the open mic list? Who's gonna share? You know, and it's just it's beautiful, you know. So I would encourage folks not just through poetry, but that's you know I, that's my heart. But <laughs> but be involved because there are people who might you might think you have nothing in common with, and then you realize that you both love to paint and and you're willing to have and you can talk for hours and hours and hours about your kind of creative connection on mm -hmm. whatever it is. Um, and it just opens doors. It's a beautiful way to get to know people. And people are often very vulnerable when it comes to their creative expressions. So you're not just connecting on and finding something in common, but you're also talking about, you know, as you're talking about your paintings and your poems and your songs and your whatever and your dance, you're usually sharing some really um, intimate parts of yourself yeah. with people. And it's it's a beautiful way to get to know people. So yeah, I would strongly encourage everyone to uh, not only create themselves, but then find the courage to share that art yeah. with your community. Amazing. And um, I guess last question for someone who is kind of they maybe they think they have this kind of passion to to create in whatever way, um, but maybe they're a bit hesitant or a bit scared. What kind of tips would you give them to start out? I mean, how did you start out yourself? Yeah, so I, I grew up listening to hip-hop. I loved it. Um, and I was just a big fan for a long time. And it wasn't until my university years that I started writing uh, rap songs my freshman year. Or for you guys, first year? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> we could have freshers as well. Okay, cool. I was joking. Some places they don't use those terms. Um, so, um, yeah, a buddy of mine, he just had recording equipment and he, he wanted to get into music production. So he's like, hey, man, like, I know you like hip hop. You should try writing songs with me so that we can, like, you know, I can learn how to do this. So it was just like a hobby at first. Um, and then two years later, my third year of school, someone invited me to an open mic where they were doing spoken word poetry. Mm -hmm. And I had seen spoken word online, but never in person. And so I went to this event just to watch. And everything I was like talking about just a few minutes ago, I saw. It was amazing. I was like, wow, there's people from all different backgrounds here being so honest with each other, but also 
so often when I was going through things in life, I thought I was the only person in the world who felt this way. Mm. Or if I told someone, they would judge me or whatever. And there were poets up here sharing things that I was like, oh my gosh, it's like they read my mind. It's like they, yeah. they stole my journal. And, and no one's actually judging them. And it was so helpful to realize that I wasn't as alone in the world as I thought, you know. So that's what inspired me to start writing spoken word as well as hip hop. Yeah. Um, but again, these things were just hobbies at first. But I just I kept at it, and I think a lot of people, when it comes to creativity, they 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 want to be really good, and they're embarrassed because they think they're not good enough. And I tell people all the time, I didn't write poetry because I thought I was good at it. I don't write hip hop or songs because I think I'm good at it. I do it because it's healthy for me. Mm. Because when I was sitting in that open mic, I was so thankful that people were sharing those stories because they were helping me realize things and helping me heal. And so I say it like this. If you have an interest in creative things, do it. It's not about making money or making a career. If those things come, awesome. But you wouldn't tell someone who likes playing basketball why do you go to the park and play basketball? Mm. You're not good enough to make it to the NBA. Why waste your time? You wouldn't tell someone who, who likes running, and it's a very healthy thing. You go for a jog, or you wouldn't say, you're never going to make it to the Olympics. Why do you bother running? Well, one, because I like it. Two, because it's good for me. Like, calm yeah. down. Like, you know. <laughs> but that's what we do with, with our, our creative parts of ourselves. We think, well, I'm not good enough, mm. so I shouldn't do it. And I shouldn't share because it's bad. And it's like, well, we're our own biggest critic. So maybe it's not as bad as you think. But secondly, who cares? Like, that's not yeah. the point. I shouldn't, you shouldn't tell me to stop playing basketball just because I'm bad. I like basketball. It's yeah. fun. <laughs> it's healthy. And I can go and I can go to the park and I can play and I could be the worst one on the court. And it still be a good thing that I'm there because I'm building friendships and I'm being healthy and I'm doing something I enjoy. Right. Yeah. So that's what I would say. I would encourage folks, forget forget uh worrying about if it's good or not um you just got to jump in and the only way to get better is to keep doing it if you're insecure because you're not good you're not going to get better by not sharing you're yeah. going to get better by sharing by opening yourself up to feedback by being around the community um by putting yourself out there yeah that's incredible i think just general just like great life advice just kind of you know i think we always get so worried about how is this coming across? How does it look or whatever? But the reality of the situation is if you're doing, you're doing, you're on that journey. You yeah. are actually on that journey. And whether it be in your creative creative journey or even in terms of like what you're doing to kind of combat justice, uh, injustice, um, I think it's just like you said, it's important. Just get started, enjoy and just be authentic in it. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, it's been so good to have you, Mike. I really appreciate your time. For sure. Um, I really hope uh, you have a great time at the Justice Conference, uh, which I think would have happened by the time this comes out. But I'm sure it's going to be great. And uh, yeah, enjoy your time in the UK. Yeah, thanks. And if anybody's interested, you can check out more of my work at my website. It's micahborne.com, M-I-C-A-H-B-O-U-R-N-E-S.com. There's free downloads of all my albums. Like, all my stuff is free. It's a resource. I have some blues albums, poetry album, hip-hop album. So they're all there. Yeah, Sweet, man. So good to meet you. So a few days after that conversation, Chris, what are your reflections and what are your highlights? Yeah, I um, 
I, I could have talked to him for like another hour, I think. <laughs> he was a really interesting guy and I think we just, it was just great to have a conversation where, I don't know, I feel like we were both like thinking of what the other was thinking straight before the other said it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I, I think one of the things that stuck with me quite a lot was um, when we were talking about that, that piece he wrote about the homeless, the homeless person and actually, again, just kind of diving into the idea that art is able to, I guess, convey stuff that just someone speaking about isn't going to achieve um, the ability to kind of put people into into a different person's shoes and to make them empathise with that is pretty incredible to me. Yeah, definitely. I particularly like the bit you was talking about towards the start of your conversation. We, we need a marching band. Everyone has an instrument. And I think that really ties into the fact that we are all creative. It looks like different things for different people, but we all have this in, in rooted creativity. We are, we are all called to make a difference. God is calling us into something and we all have an instrument in our hand. We just need to learn how to play it. And maybe that means putting the hours in on the basketball court and standing on those stages and failing a few times, but just enjoying it, trying to enjoy the process of, of growing in it and, and doing everything that God is calling us to do. Yeah, exactly. I feel like more than ever, it's just so important to remember that everyone needs to be in this together. I know it's a bit like cliche. <laughs> yeah. We're all in this together. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's called that for a reason. Though. Yeah, <laughs> Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, totally. um, and, I, and I definitely 100% believe you take a room of any, like, like 50 young people, all 50 of them can contribute in mm. some way. Some of it's going to be in the limelight, mm. quote unquote limelight. Some of it's going to be backstage. But all, each and every single cog is so important into, in achieving that one goal, that one vision. Very wise words, Chris. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. We're back on the first Monday of next month with a new episode. And if you've liked what you listen to, hit subscribe. <laughs>